LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Centre Ministry every week. Yes. Well, Scott, what's been happening this week? Well, we have uh, we've had a busy October actually, so we've been out and about. Uh, we've been down in Tassie. Yep. We've had another leadership cohort run through as well, so it's been a, a massive month. But a boot camp for new church planners starting in twenty twenty as well. Uh, it's exciting. And it's we've great. also had refresh. Yep. Okay. Now the Good. one thing is brought to you thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and you've pressed play on episode number eighty of the One Thing. Do we need to defend the Bible? All right, so last episode we had a uh, well-known author, presenter, lecturer, and a very generous guy with his time, John Dixon, on the show, talking about the questions that people are asking. Um, so what is it? As culture has moved, uh, what are the questions that are the same? What questions are new? And how is it that um, uh, we help them understand the person behind uh, all the things that we want to talk about that is just how do we get them there in a way that answers their questions honestly but we want to push in one area of significance um and one question uh which uh john has uh, written a number of books on mm. he's an expert in that is do we need to defend the bible and what does what does that even look like what does that mean so welcome back john thanks hey, for coming again good to chat with you guys now, can i just ask as we kick this uh discussion off again you're an anglican minister um you've at least one PhD, maybe more. <laughs> no, one's enough. <laughs> just one. Okay, all right, just one. That's enough. That's one more than me. Anyway, you you currently lecture at a number of places. Where are you? Uh, where are you working at the moment? I teach a course on historical Jesus at Sydney University, and I'm a lecturer at uh, Ridley College in Melbourne. Okay, and so when you're teaching that, and they're quite well, Sydney Uni, quite a secular environment. Mm-hmm. I imagine they're not. Um, uh, all that pro-Jesus a lot of the time. Maybe they are. I don't know. What are the questions and the feedback you're getting from uh, the courses when you're teaching there? Well, it's a historical course on Jesus, so I can't do any um, formal evangelism. There's no theology. It's in the Jewish studies department, so it's entirely historical, cross-accredited to history. Uh, and so the whole program of that course over 26 hours is to look at what historical scholars are saying about the figure of Jesus. So the history of historical scholarship on Jesus, uh, an analysis of the Gospels, the sources, uh, both Christian and non-Christian sources, and then we walk through what we can know from his life using uh, broadly secular historical uh, methodology. And the questions tend to be mainly historical uh, from the the students because it's a history course. But I don't know that that's representative of of what the you know the average person out there is thinking, but it's certainly representative of people who choose to do my class. So it seems like it was a, a more popular question ten years ago. You know, can we trust the Bible? Uh, you know, is it a truth? If you look, if you look now at popular courses on, uh, in, you know, on engaging in evangelism, uh, they're more relational. Uh, you know, they're more over dinner. Uh, they don't start with is the Bible trustworthy? Um, has there been a change? You know, do we still need to? answer this question? I think people have just added more questions. Mm. Uh, I think we talked about this last time mm. we, we chatted. Um, it, it's not that that history question or, or just defending the Bible questions uh, have gone away completely. Mm. It's just that other questions have come to the fore uh, because 
A, there's less knowledge about the Bible. Uh, so people don't even hardly even know what questions to ask. And B, there's a there's an ethos problem, a relational problem between the church and the world. Mm. And so that relationship has come to the fore. People want to know that you're trustworthy and that you you don't have two heads yep. and that you're kind. Uh, but pr- you can be pretty sure that someone who comes, who's drawn into the church through this more sort of relational model will at some point go, okay, that all seems beautiful, but is it true? Mm. And mm. suddenly they're back to the question that we thought was the old question. So I don't think the defending the Bible thing has disappeared. It maybe just has a different place in the suite of questions you're going to get asked. So one of the things that I see regularly in, uh, in I guess, City Bible Forum preaching here that happens in this church, and, and my, uh, you know, my, my pastor regularly does this, he'll, he'll open up and say, uh, this is not the game, of, you know, this is not a fairy tale. This is not Lord of the Rings or Game of the Thrones. Mm. This is actually a true historical event. He'll, he'll just put the slide up of the part of Israel that we are potentially in. He'll talk about it uh, as a real historical place and, and real people, you know, real people being there. And it's just a, it's a 30 second grab, yeah. but it's something that he does every time as mm. if to remind us, you know, Christians, you know, here's, here's a simple way to engage in this topic. How, how, how might you encourage or equip the average Christian to, uh, you know, with the tools to defend the Bible if it's a, if it's a question that comes up? Well, there are so many different questions related to uh, defending the Bible because it could be as simple as uh, Genesis 1 and evolution. Yep. But that's a very different que- question from the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. So uh, there's the kind of the science Bible question comes up. And um, there are great books on this. John Lennox has, I think, written the most accessible, authoritative stuff on this question. Uh, but then you turn over a few pages and you're in the uh, conquest and the violence question mm. Uh, mm. comes up. And uh, this is a real problem for a lot of people. It's not. It's not did this happen? The irony is at this point, they're assuming it did happen, mm. that Joshua went in there with those nasty Israelites and slaughtered all those beautiful, loving Canaanites. Um, and uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because suddenly you need to trust that this is history in order to have the complaint that this is bad. Mm, mm. Okay. But nonetheless, you've got to deal with that moral uh, question. The question of how this book came together is still really live. Yep. Um, and then, of course, you get to Jesus, and there are loads of uh, historical questions. And it's partly because people are so unaccustomed to the Bible nowadays, mm, mm. unlike you know even twenty years ago, uh, so that they don't they don't know for sure that this story is even meant to be more than a parable. Yep. Um, and this is partly because you know twenty years ago, or maybe it's not quite twenty years ago, Richard Dawkins really popularized this idea. That sure, the Da Vinci Code, you know Dan Brown's book, is fiction, but so is the New Testament, right? There's no difference. One's ancient fiction, one's modern fiction, and th- this is sort of a meme now that's out there, mm. and people go, "Oh, okay, yeah, it's fictional. It's, it might as well be, you know, Homer's Odyssey or whatever." Mm. Mm. So I think there is for a lot of people just uh, the the need to sort of locate this as a real historical event. This yep. didn't happen in Middle Earth, right? It happened in the Middle East. And we can pinpoint it. And it happened, you know, when Pontius Pilate was the prefect of mm. Judea and so on, right? So just people going, ah, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right. So this is this is like a, a history. Like this is this happened. And I'm doing this all the time. I'm running a course right now for a, for a local church uh, following up an evangelistic series I did. And so we're meeting on Thursday nights. And, and in week one, yeah, the, the, for some, this was a revelation. Yeah. Uh, that the... 
authors themselves thought that they were writing something historical. And I didn't need to do a big full-on defense of that. I really just had to show them that Luke in the opening paragraph and then pretty much repeats it in the beginning of chapter three says this clearly happened. And it Mm. happened when Tiberius was emperor and Pontius Pilate was governor and Caiaphas was high priest and right. Mm. Um, Mm. But I was not defending everything about the Bible. I was helping people locate the gospels in the right place. Now, how, how does it, how does a pastor do that? Will because, you know, we've all suffered from the pastor who's just come back from the trip to Israel, and uh, and we've had twenty photos. And I remember when I was on, you know, the lake, amazing. Jesus walked just there. Yeah. Uh, we all can't go to Israel. Um, no. How how can we how can we do that well as pastors and, and Christian leaders? Well, you should read one reliable, up to date historical Jesus book. Mm. I genuinely think that because there are many, many questions out there that your people or their friends at least will have come across, Mm. questions about the Gospels. And so I, just to give you one resource, I'm going to say Craig Keener. Mm. He wrote a book, uh, I'm going to forget the title, it's maybe called The Historical Christ. You can uh, verify that, but it's it's a big book, it's not a a little one. it uh, it is very trustworthy. Mm. He's a world-renowned classicist and New Testament historian. He won't lead you astray. If, if you've got time only for one book, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then you, I think you do drop if you're expounding the Gospels, drop uh, some information in. Not in a I can prove this, but in almost in a really natural way. Mm. You know, you might you might be in chapter three and. Uh, that you know, there's a there's a reference to um, Antipas, Tetrarch of Galilee, uh, and you you could just say, oh, you know, there's this really interesting thing Josephus says about Antipas. You're not deliberately saying, aha, I can prove that Antipas mm. is a real character. Mm. You're just sort of using the history as illustrative, and you and you cite some first century text. It, it would only take you ninety seconds in the sermon, but the meta narrative that that you're projecting. Mm. Uh, to the people listening is really important. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think I've. Uh, I think an- another example I've seen done really well of that is uh, is just talking about the the geography and mm. how you know Jesus in the boat, a big storm happens. The geography of uh, of the lake actually creates these crazy storms. Yeah. Uh, and so, in the midst of this miraculous event of Jesus walking in the water, you've got this very real, you know, wind event mm. that causes fishermen to be scared. Yeah. Um, very quick, easy to do. Yeah, really easy. Don't overblow it. Mm. You know, um, don't think that you're proving the whole thing by putting this little historical tidbit in. You're just over time. This is the long haul. Over time, drip, 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 showing people that we're in the world of real Middle Eastern history here. Yeah, we've uh, we're going to move into our toolbox uh, very quickly. So obviously, we want to encourage you to read uh, Keener's book, and we'll put a link in the show notes there. Also, John Lennox's book uh, is is a great resource. You've you've written heaps of heaps of books, articles on this. Mm. What's your what's your one you know one book or one video resource that you'd go to? Well, I have uh, one that's just out in October uh, called "Is Jesus History," mm. published by the Good Book Company. And uh, I'm really pleased with it. I'm sort of, uh, it's not overproving, but it's just sort of saying, you know, I think it's like only 180 pages or something, just saying, 
you know, how you can be broadly confident mm. that the story of Jesus is a genuine historical story. If you just use the normal uh, tools for assessing Tiberius or Alexander the Great, yep. this looks like a real story. So a good sort of first thing. And a lot of my books are written not to prove Christianity, because I don't think you can. Mm. Uh, it's an mm. encounter with God himself that that demonstrates Christianity to people. But you can give people a reason to pick up a gospel and read it for themselves seriously. And that's the value of all this. Great. That's really helpful. Now, the one thing is part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, and this is a good chance to point to you one of our pod, uh, partner podcasts. Have you listened to the 5LQ podcast with Todd Adkins recently? As part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family, he's recently interviewed leaders like David Platt, Ryan Myers, and Louis Giglio. He's also recently done some book breakdowns on titles like Shifts in Discipleship. So just look up five leadership questions on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Excellent. Now, I want to uh, dig back in. Um, John, can I ask, for the your fellow academics that you're teaching with, what are the reactions to them, uh, f- for them to you about teaching this and how do they engage with the historical uh, data uh, and the historical Jesus? Are they are they thinking because they grew up in a, in a more Christianized world on a different wavelength to the students you're, you're teaching? Well, they also tend to be experts, so they know more than the students, so they know this is not a fairy tale. Um, you know, the interesting thing is if you go to the classics department in Oxford, where, where I, I do stuff fairly regularly, I have a, um, a visiting academic uh, position there, um, they just totally assume the Gospels are real history. Mm. They, don't, they don't privilege the Gospels like you and I do as the Word of God. Uh, but they know they're dealing with texts written by human beings in the first century, and we don't have many texts mm. written in the first century. So they're super valuable, and they're so well attested in the manuscripts that people know that what we're reading in a gospel today is uh, what was written in the first century. So there's a much higher degree of respect uh, for these texts than the average person uh, realizes. Now, so much of what you're doing is, is really trying to uh, push people back to the Word of God. You know, yes. super Christianity. It's it's all really, it's all real. The historical stuff is really to get you to Luke chapter one, so you can keep yeah. finding out who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Your doubter's guide mm-hmm. uh, to to Jesus. Another another great resource. Sounds like this new book that you've just done as well is doing that. Yeah. Um, if it is the Word of God, you know, that gets people over the line, so to speak. It, you know, how. How and how and what ways have you have you seen in the public space, but also I guess in the personal ministry that you have of answering people's questions? How have you moved from from those skeptical questions into let's open up God's word and um, and find out about the real Jesus? Often it's as simple as you know what questions do you have, mm. and 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 giving people uh, an opportunity to ask whatever questions they have, and it, it very often gets to the point where they. Uh, they realize, oh, there are some decent questions. Mm. Okay, I'll read, I'll read a gospel with you or you know, I'll do this course or I'll listen to that sermon. They just want to know that there are some answers to some questions. It's not like you have to prove the whole show. Yep. And so I've come back to this thing. I just want people to end up thinking, okay, I'll read this stuff. And you just never know what you, what you, come, uh, what you find. I mean, I can just tell you... Uh, of a of a woman who's a professor who uh, was googling one day uh, about science. She's her PhD's in the science of music, and uh, the third uh, result in Google was um, a, uh, 
a series at my church mm. on God and science. Mm. She mm. laughed because she was super skeptical about Christians and science. But she listened to the talks, found them really compelling. It wasn't me who gave those talks, by the way, and decided to come to St. Andrews Roseville. Yep. And uh, see if they still do that every week, you know, all that science, but which we don't. Uh, but she came and she was completely love-bombed. Then she heard about the Life of Jesus course, which is, you know, like Simply Christianity or yep. any of those sorts of courses. Said, you know, could I do that, you know, just as an intellectual exercise. Came and did it. You meant to read Luke's gospel over six weeks. She'd read all four gospels by week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the end of the course, wrote me a letter that was about 15 or 20 pages long, mm. complete with, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 footnotes mm-hmm. of things, because she'd gone and read everything. And it was with her questions about Christianity. Um, I need to get over these questions before I come to believe. Mm. And it was such a brilliant, amazing letter that I thought to myself, I have to, I can't deal with this right now. This deserves real time. And to my shame, I left it about a month before I got back to this person. And I eventually rang and said, look, I'm so sorry I've delayed your brilliant questions. Do you want to catch up for a coffee? And I'll try try my best. Mm. She said, no, it's okay. I thought the worst. I I was worried, you know. She said, I think I might've become a Christian. I went, what? How did that happen? She said, look, I was just rereading the Gospels just over and over, and I got to Luke chapter 10, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I thought, this is the source of compassion. The person who told this story is the source of compassion, Mm. and I just knew myself to be loved by him, and I think I'm a Christian. Now, (laughs) actually, that person now is doing a PhD in theology on top of her PhD. (laughs) so what a cracker story. Yeah, it's a cracker story. Um, but but my, my point is, often there are presenting questions, intellectual mm. questions. Uh, but if you can answer enough of them for people to, to read the Gospels and get to know the, Word of, the God, Word of God, yeah. then you just never know what happens. And in the end, it was, a, was it just an encounter with Christ in the Scriptures mm. that convinced her of his reality. And um, the questions didn't go away, but they were not necessary. Mm. They were not blockers to faith. Mm. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So, John, what's the one thing people should be taking away when it comes to defending the Bible? (laughs) Obviously, don't think it uh, relies on you. All you're doing, it seems to me, Mm. is giving people reasons to pick it up and read it seriously. That's it. That's the value of apologetics around the Bible. Just helping people to think, if I pick this up, I'm not an idiot. And then when they pick it up and they read it, God does the rest. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, uh, that does bring us to the end of this episode of The One Thing. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you liked the show. Uh, rate on iTunes, leave a comment. Just one thing about uh, Ministry Grid as we finish. We've mentioned it a couple of times. October is sale month in Australia. Ministrygrid.com.au. Uh, brilliant tool for training people within your church. Uh, make the most of the times they catch the train, the bus, when they're just sitting watching Netflix, they can uh, be doing something useful with their life. Not that Netflix isn't useful. Anyway, ministry.com.au, October sale month. Go and have a look. Coming up next week, the next episode of The One Thing. Scott, what are we talking about? Do you have a lot of Asian people in your Christian circles and you want to know the best way to help them to plug into ministry? We're going to speak with uh, Cross and Crown's Adam Chang, all the way from Melbourne, on the one thing you need to know when it comes to recruiting Asians. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon.